You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. Oh, can I suck on that bone? <laughs> what? Oh, you left me some grizzle? Thank you, sir. And Maddie Rose. Put him down on the table, and she's like, oh, all she'll ever say is, oh, God, this is tight. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number two. The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Bottom of the hour, our man Adnan Verk. MLB NHL Network Cinephile Podcast. Rangers are red hot. Billy's at bombs. While the Blue Jays are sitting at home. And we'll talk to Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period. The top of the next hour. But right now, Stanley Cup champion. He is the host of Real Kipper and Born on the Sportsnet Radio and Television Network. On the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hauling. We say good morning to Nick Kiprios. Hello, sir. How are you? Uh, we're good. How are you? Good. How's the new show? How's the new TV thing going for you? Oh, I don't know. I'm tired of the guys already. Sammy <laughs> McKee, just a leaf lover. And, uh, yep. you know, you can only take so much of that, you know? Yeah, it's true. It is only October. <laughs> you only got a few months left, Kipper, before you shut things down yeah, for yeah, the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. Do, you see, uh, do you see a lot of parallels between the Leafs and the Oilers blue line and goaltending right now? Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. Um, and, you know, where... I think where people think that, okay, let's just talk about the similarities is they've got world-class talent up front between Dreisaitl and, and McDavid, Matthews and Marner, guys uh, that could put up huge numbers. And then you get to the, the blue line, and that's where it gets a little tricky and which goaltender you can count on when the chips are down. That's where I think the similarities are. Uh, Ken Holland went out and got Ekholm, which got everybody uh, excited, and we know he's, you know, a top shutdown type of guy. Uh, but that still might not be enough for the Edmonton Oilers, where the Leafs didn't go Ekholm, and I'm sure they would have liked, but couldn't afford. Uh, they went Jake McCabe in a uh, with Chicago last year, and right now Jake's unfortunately struggling a little bit on the Leaf, uh, the back end, and. Uh, uh, no loss uh, to Chicago last night, but uh, two two teams that people, especially in Canada, have uh, and and many have predicted maybe a Stanley Cup final. But so far out of the gate, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a few Canadian teams, maybe in Alberta or BC, that go, oh, okay, take it easy, take it easy. Uh, who's got better goaltending, the Leafs or the Oilers? Uh, I would probably think that there's uh, less pressure today on Samsonov and Joseph Wall than there is maybe Jack Campbell and 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 uh, Stuart Skinner, uh, and that's just based on I think how miserable of a year <laughs> Jack Campbell had last year, whereas you know Samsonov for the most part played well enough to be uh, a guy that uh, the Leafs would consider bringing back number one and number two, uh, making everybody believe that he is the number one goaltender, you know, over the rookie in, in wall. Uh, but game to game that, that can change fairly quickly. And, uh, Samsonov is not off to a good start. He did not have a good training camp and, uh, you know, his, his numbers are, are, are not good in, in the first couple of games. So that's not to say that, uh, Samsonov can't catch up to where, uh, you know the patients are really thin on a on a Jack Campbell, but uh, right now I I do believe that uh, uh, 
Edmonton Oilers fans would have a lot more concern over their goaltending than, than Leaf fans would right now. Tell us what you were seeing from Austin Matthews as he racked up six goals over the first two games. Didn't have any yesterday, but still, six over three. That's uh, That'll work. Yeah, uh, historic start uh, when you consider only, what, uh, half, five guys have, have done it in history, and only Ovechkin is arguably the best goal scorer in history now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, with all due respect to, to Wayne, uh, Wayne would never consider himself a natural shooter like Ovechkin. Uh, but uh, Austin's got that uh, that 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 feeling that uh, he's a shooter. He wants to put the puck in the net every time he's out on the ice, and he's had a couple of good bounces last night. He he did have some good looks again, uh, but a stingy Chicago Blackhawk team showed up and, and shut it down. Now the trick for any team, not just the Toronto Maple Leafs, is when your when your big boys aren't going, who's who's picking up the slack, who's Who's in a second secondary position to to provide a big goal and and right now that's a, a little bit of a challenge uh, behind Austin Matthews. What did you see from Connor Bedard? Uh, all, all the the potential and uh, uh, the the ability to take something and and make it very dangerous. Uh, you know the numbers aren't overwhelming as we know, uh, although he's gotten points in his first couple of games. Uh, but as far as being dangerous, every time you're on the ice, he's going to have that element uh, uh, in his career. Uh, he he is already very explosive for an 18-year-old. You can see how strong he is. And the one thing that when you, when you look at great players, uh, it's really, to me, the first and foremost is their, their edge work and their ability to go lateral and change speeds uh, with uh, being deceptive. And you can see it out of the kid. And like I said, all all the great ones uh, have that element of of turning on a dime. And uh, he showed it last night that he's going to be able to run with the the likes of McDavid and even what we've watched out of Willie Nylander here in Toronto uh, early in the season, that, that ability to go uh, east-west is is off the charts. Bedard has that. Uh, Nick, are the Blackhawks better than we think they are? I don't know yet. I, I think last night, uh, you know, Luke Richardson did a, a great job of of having them identify a very good opportunity on a on a big stage and you know they 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 came and and they completed a very good 60 minute of hockey um wouldn't know the the goalie if I threw you know if I ro- rode over him uh, <laughs> on a zamboni um but uh he he was really good sober so soda bloom if I remembered it correctly and defensively, they, they look good. I think it's Vlasic uh, from San Jose, his nephew, if I'm not mistaken, on the on the blue line. Uh, another kid that impressed me. And, um, you know, let's go to that wily, greasy veteran named Corey Perry, who <laughs> yeah. drove, who's just 
absolutely killing the Leafs the last few years, <laughs> either in Montreal or Tampa Bay, getting under the skin of, of Leaf fans and then scoring a big goal last night uh, and, and, and helping solidify a win here. So uh, that, was a, that was a tough one, but a, a really good game, I think, uh, not, not just for Corey Perry, but Connor Bedard uh, is held scoreless. Uh, I think the biggest message last night that Chicago comes out of it is that you know we can compete, and and Connor doesn't have to score a point. You know, mm. uh, I don't know how many times that's going to happen. To be quite honest with you, with that lineup at times, but at least uh, they had a good feeling leaving Toronto. Nick, where do you uh, where do you land on the point celebration at the crowd from Corey Perry? Where does that kind of land in your celebration rankings? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I didn't. We were at the game last night, but uh, I didn't get the full story of mm. if if he was. Uh, I don't think he was mocking uh, the fans per se, but maybe he identified a couple of guys. You know, someone mentioned uh, <laughs> uh, maybe it was. Uh, a couple ex players who have a podcast. Uh, um, so I don't know. I don't know. I was spitting chiclets in the crowd. I don't know, mm. but uh, it, it seemed like he was identifying somebody, but again, uh, when it comes to getting under the skin of, of his opponent. And we saw him uh, jarring a little bit with uh, Ryan Reeves or, or driving Leaf fans nuts. Uh, he he can do it. He he can still do it very well. What's the Ryan Reeves effect been for the Leafs? I think it's been good in terms of you know coming as advertised with some some hits and some fights. Uh, but if if he's going to play eight or nine minutes, uh, uh, they got to be quality at at both ends of the ice. And there's times when you know his 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 line has struggled. You know, and I'm not a huge analytical guy, but the the uh, the optic test suggests that uh, at times they do scramble a little bit, you know, turning pucks over or or playing in their own zone, and and that has to that has to clean up. And you know, just to my earlier point, when the Bedards of the world or the Austin Matthews of the world, you know, um, aren't scoring, uh, then who's there to pick up the slack and you know Ryan Reeves no different than any other fourth line has to find a better way of playing more uh, in the offensive zone and, and with a hard forecheck than they do chasing pucks in their own zone and it's, it's a bit of a challenge right now for the Leafs. Nick Kiprios the host of Real Kipper and Born on the Sportsnet and Radio uh, Sportsnet Radio and Television Network Stanley Cup champion joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose. Um, we had the discussion in the 6 o'clock hour, Nick, about Nazem Kadri, And uh, he's a guy that, you know, 85 games into his Flames career. It's not that he's been, you know, very disappointing. I just feel like he's been a, just a little underwhelming. Is he just a case where Flames fans just need to see him play a playoff game in a Calgary Flames sweater, or they just need to see more from Nazem Kadri? Because right now, Nick, I, I think there is a lot more to give from number 91. Well, it's, yeah. Uh, 
when you think about him, you, you never really have ever had him as a number one centerman, although his numbers and, and the salary sometimes can suggest that, you know, he could easily be a number one centerman. Um, uh, you know, Backlund, similar situation where, you know, the couple of guys that, you know, should be perhaps uh, putting up bigger numbers or more consistent numbers or, or just being more of a, an offensive threat. Uh, but they're they're good players, and you can win with those players. Uh, but, you know, does that put more on, on Lindholm now to – to put up big numbers, but you, you need one guy for sure to to have that effect. That if you're going to not only make the playoffs but compete for a Stanley Cup, that you just need this this one horse uh, up the middle of the ice. And right now, you know, you get the feeling sometimes it's there for Kadri and sometimes it's not. But uh, I still think that uh, you know, under the right circumstances, and in Colorado, it just seemed perfect. Uh, for him coming behind the Nathan McKinnon uh, that, uh, you know, he can almost quietly put up those numbers. And unfortunately in Canada, there's nothing quiet about anybody who's mm-hmm. making big money and, and not, uh, and not showing it every night, but that's, Hey, listen, you, you, you sign in Calgary, you got the money. And, uh, and that's just uh, part of the deal is that, microscopes like the one you're just mentioning will be on on Kadri and he needs to needs to have a more consistent look than he had last year but that goes with a lot of guys um you know uh, I didn't get a chance to to watch the game in great detail are you guys are the believers that you know in Washington last night they yeah, anything but two points is a disappointment well I don't know if it's that. Like, they played pretty well. You get to the shootout. You hit two posts in the shootout. Sure, it's it's disappointing, but, you know, 1-1-1 one, one, and one to start the season, and I feel like they've taken a step in each game, so I don't know if it's like, oh, the sky is falling here in Calgary. Now they've dropped one to the Washington Capitals. I wasn't overly impressed by the Cavs yesterday, but I think that's kind of the general feeling around here, if that makes sense. Well, I think if if anything, uh, Calgary fans will take uh, a playoff spot under any circumstances, and we know how difficult yeah. that is. They keep adding teams, but they don't add extra spots in the playoffs, and it gets that much tougher. Uh, it, it's going to be a dogfight uh, for the Calgary, and it depends on where you sit on Vancouver today after a couple wins in Edmonton. You know, does uh, Seattle have the same success that they had last year? Uh, it it it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Yeah, I think the in division play is the one for the Flames that might make or break their season. Losing a point to the Capitals, I don't know if that's the the worst thing to happen to this group uh, this early in the season. I did want to get back to Kadri for just one moment, Nick. Who are the or what's the best type of player? to play beside Dawson Kadri on either side, really, because since he's got to Calgary, there's been a little bit of a rotation on either side of uh, Nazem as a, as a member of the Flames in their second-line spot. So what's the best type of player to play with him? Yeah, someone that I, I think can, can read him and, and understand him a little bit. Um, uh, typically, you, you, you watch him. You know, he's got the ability guys up and uh you know I, I think i think his vision's pretty good 
you know. So at, at times, you know, is that a, a pure shooter a little bit here, you know. Uh, uh, Coronado's obviously everything points to the direction of, of being a pure shooter. Do you, t- do you switch him off with Backlund every once in a while? I mean, is that what you're suggesting? Uh, uh, I, Japani seems to have a, a good feel for around the net. Uh, you know, would you like to see him there? Like, I, I think his vision and his passing is, 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 is pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there enough shooters on the team? Nick Kiprios, uh, Stanley Cup champion. He is the host of Real Kipper and Born on the Sportsnet Radio and Television Network. Uh, Nick, terrific stuff as usual. Uh, enjoy the boys on the uh, broadcast and uh, should be a lot of fun uh, this season. We'll catch up with you again real soon. Thanks, pal. Okay, guys. Have a great day. There he is. Uh, Nick Kiprios on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Um, Vancouver's in Philly tonight. Another 8-1 win for them? Uh, I don't know about that. How many guys did they have to dress tonight? Like eight? Philly's because of the salary the cap? Year. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Well, we coming out of a pandemic. Like, well, this, is, this is what happens. Yeah, um, better cap management. But, uh, again, that's something Greg Wyshynski said on our show. ESPN senior writer, and you and I kind of almost fell off our chairs. Watch out for Vancouver. Could be better than you think. Could finish ahead of the Flames in the standings. Oh, got a text earlier, too. Two uh, very some, impressive games against uh, the Somebody saying, I'd put everything I own on Chicago and Edmonton doing better than the Flames. Um, I will take that bet, sir, that the Flames, uh, sir or madam, that the, the Flames uh, finish ahead of the Blackhawks in the standings. Yeah, that feel free to text back in. There is a lot of guys that are not named Connor Bedard on that NHL roster that you go, hmm, still in the league, hey? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, made it to the show, hey? Wow. Yeah. Boris Kachuk, still kicking, hey? That'll be. Okay. And uh, Vlasic's nephew, is he in on the uh, pickle uh, fortune? He, he is humongous, too. He's like six Cousin of six. Mark Edward. Yeah, well, so, yeah, but is he in on the Vlasic pickle fortune? I don't think that. I don't uh, think it's is Mark Edward in on it? I, yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Are they the same Vlasic pickles? Is that the same Vlasic? Yeah, man. Oh my god, I didn't know that. Yeah, then yeah. probably. How much money's in pickles? I assume like lots, millions. Well, it's, and they're pretty big. Yeah. Did you Google it? Every single store. Mark, I'm, Vla- yeah, I'm googling it. Yeah, he's in on the Vlasic pickle fortune. Huh. Yeah. All right. Uh, and Anverk next on the uh, baseball playoffs. Is there a more electric place to play a sporting event right now than Citizens Bank Ballpark in oh, Philadelphia? Taste the crunch. Yeah, that was man. Them. And yeah. uh, Bryce Harper, like, dude's got some swag. Like, a lot of people don't like Bryce Does Harper, he? but it's it's tough not to like what he's doing right now with the Phillies. Yeah, unless uh, you're like a Diamondbacks fan or a Braves fan. Or- yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the Texas Rangers continue to be red hot. And we'll get Adnan Burke's take on uh, just how the Blue Jays have handled the offseason so far. Ugh. Just the worst. It's so fun. And, uh, just uh, throwing each other under yeah, the bus. Yeah. A list of... Uh, Big time Elias Lindholm sigh. And I saw something that I want to ask Adnan Burke. Uh, the best six Leonardo DiCaprio movies. Oh. Uh, we'll do that straight ahead. Oh, and, and Dennis Bernstein. Anything going on uh, rumors-wise? Do teams need to dump some salary? What's going on with Ottawa? So desperate. And Connor Garland, too. The Canucks are like, yeah, we got to trade this guy. 
And uh, the Senators like, we need Shane Pinto. Like, what, are well, the, what are these teams doing right now Patterson with their cap space? I don't, I don't think the Canucks are like, hey, tr- we got to trade this guy. I think Connor Garland is like, hey, please trade me. Yeah. He's, he's asked for a trade. So uh, we'll, get the, we'll get Dennis Bernstein's take on that. And at 830, we'll give you some locks. Courtesy of our friends at uh, Calgary yeah. Lock and Safe. It's all straight ahead. Lines. The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Never like talking about NHL rumors in October. <laughs> but, like, Connor Garland kind of wants to leave the Canucks. And Shane Pinto's like, yo, where's my money? Where's my cheddar? Crowd wants them. Yeah. Sounds like they've decided on the cheddar, but the problem is that the, they, they already no room. They already used up the cheddar on Vlad. Yeah. So now they have to move someone else is cheddar to another team and, and, and they'll take the cheese and uh-huh. then they can give Shane Pinto the cheese right. and then he can play hockey. Okay. For all the cheddar. Uh, Dennis Bernstein, um, senior writer, fourth period. You hear him on Sirius XM NHL radio will join us at the top of the hour. And we'll do at 8.30, we'll do our locks from Calgary Lock and Safe. But right now, to talk about the Major League Baseball playoffs, MLB and NHL Network host, and the Cinephile podcast on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We Lots say good morning to our man, Adnan Verk. Hello, sir. How are you? George and Maddie, great to chat up with you guys again. How are things? Good. Um, saw this on uh, Twitter uh, this morning. Um, power ranking the six best Leonardo DiCaprio movies of all time. You ready? Mm-hmm. Number six, Catch Me If You Can. Number five, Gangs of New York. Number right. four, Django Unchained. Number three, Inception. Number two, Wolf The Departed. Uh, number two, uh, The Departed. And number one, Once more. Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wow, that's unbelievable. The Wolf of Wall Street does not crack the top six. That's yeah. outrageous. Okay. Um, do you, uh, outside of that, do you disagree with the order? The Departed is fantastic. That was at number two. Yeah, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I don't think it's nearly as good as other people think. I mean, to have it number one, that's outrageous. I, yeah. I mean, I guess, are they saying best performance or best movie? I mean, I wouldn't agree with either. I don't think that's his best performance, nor do I think it's his best movie. I don't even think that's his top five. That's why probably my biggest issue is the number one and the exclusion of Wolf. To me, it's Wolf and The Departed right mm-hmm. out of the gate. Like those, those are one, two, and I would put... Uh, I'd put gangs in there as well, which is a fifth. So I'd probably have that third or fourth. But uh, catch me if you can. I like that because that, that's a little underrated. I like the fact yep. he shows his softer side. And, and I like the omission of Titanic rather than going with an obvious one. I think that's a good call. I would go a little more what's eating Gilbert Grape. I want to go avant-garde. I thought that was, that's a great performance he gives. movie isn't as good as his performance, but it, his performance is great. Uh, Aviator, I think, is really good. But, yeah, no major quibble aside from the number one. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little outrageous to not have the Wolf of Wall Street in there. Yeah. Uh, a hot, well, not really a hot take. Is Mark Wahlberg's character in The Departed the best one in that movie? It is. I don't think it's a hot take. I'm with you. I think that's, that's absolutely right. Like yeah. I think I, a friend of mine just watched it again. He goes, seriously, how good is Mark Wahlberg in that movie? Goes, With all that cast and that star part, everybody is, is given their A game. Yeah. You know, Nicholson's a little over the top, but it is Jack Nicholson. He's having over the top actors. So I, I have no issue with it. Jack's doing Jack. And DiCaprio's fantastic, and Damon's smarmy and arrogant, but, but Wahlberg steals the show. He's hysterical. That, that first scene with Tim Martin Sheen and DiCaprio, he completely sets the tone for the oh, yeah. entire movie. It's so funny. Uh, it's, uh, it's great stuff. Um, baseball playoffs. Is there a more electric atmosphere 
in baseball, maybe in the last decade than Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia, Adnan, because I don't know if there is one. No, it's incredible. Ron Darling had a great line last night, George, in the call. He said, it's the only place where you don't need a seat. Like, they're standing <laughs> the entire time. And I said, that's incredible, especially last night. They're, they're already rocking and rolling. And then, you know, Schwarber takes Jack Gallon deep. I'm like, oh, my God, now they're never going to sit. And then Bryce Harper goes deep, the birthday boy, and he gives the 3-1 as he passes. It's, it's remarkable. And the numbers bear out what an advantage it's been, you know, for any – playoff team playing 20 or more home playoff games they've got the best winning percentage in baseball history it's uh, over 70 percent now 27 and 11 um the other teams that are up there bush stadium for the cardinals is around 650 uh the mess at LaGuardia for years was around 650 but there's never been a, a home field advantage at least by the numbers minimum of 20 playoff games than the phillies right now and that's just the actual numbers. I'm with you. I think even anecdotally, George, if you just ask anybody who follows baseball, they go, no, this crowd's insane. Tim Kirchner, of course, my good friend at uh, Baseball Tonight for years, he's the loudest he ever heard was the Metrodome. So that's like 91 World Series. He mm. said that Twin Waves is pretty epic. And I'm like, yeah. And our buddy Aaron Boone, he actually told me, because this was before he was the Yankee manager, uh, 2015, he said that Jays Rangers series is a pretty epic crowd as far as just mm. noise meter and such. But no, I, I think of the last 10 years, Phillies crowds, man, and, and part of it is like it's not just that they're rockish, but like they're volatile. You know what I mean? Like they're hostile. <laughs> they could be boorish. Like they're they are they're all over the opposing team from the second that Zach Gallon is warming up. And I think as you see by the numbers, it's a decided advantage. And and the Phillies feed off of it, and the other opponents shrivel away from it. And Arizona has their work cut out for them. I called it Phillies at five going in. Last that to me, not a surprise. The Phillies are able to go deep. Arizona able to chip away a little bit at Zach Wheeler with a home run. But I can't imagine Arizona being able to win this series because they'd have to win a game in Philly. And I just mm. don't see it happening. A quick side note, uh, broadcasting legend Roger Lajoie uh, in Toronto was the official score of the bat flip game. He nice. said he's never been in the stadium as loud. He goes, his desk was shaking that he was writing wow. on shaking at the Rogers Center. Love the Raj. Way back in the day, I would, I would join him and uh, the late-night vampire, Storm and Norman Rubak. So oh, yeah. Love the Lush Raj. Shout out. Yeah. Uh, Raj still uh, grinding away, uh, getting to 4,000 shows. Um, wanted to ask you uh, about Bryce Harper. Do we talk enough about a guy living up to the expectations? Dude was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16. Mind you, he looked like Greg Odom when he was 16. He was like 16. He looked like he was already 30. But I'm just saying like a guy who's only the guy that we've known about Adnan for literally at least 15 years has lived up to all the expectations. I love love, but still very funny. Yeah, it's amazing. I talked to Tom Verducci about this. Like, when you're anointed like that with that kind of pressure, you very rarely match the hype. Like Eric Lindros was anointed as the next one. And yes, I know he's in the Hall of Fame, but he wasn't like a first-bell Hall of Famer. It took him a few cracks, and obviously the concussions and all the rest of it. At his apex, he was sensational to watch. You know, LeBron James, okay, yeah, LeBron was anointed as the next one. It really has matched that hype. But for Bryce to do what he's done, as you said, cover of SI, to face all those expectations, I think in some ways has surpassed them because – when he signed that contract with the Phillies, it was like $300 million. Like, all right, listen, 13 years, $300 million. He's good. He's really good. But he's not, a, like, he's not worth that kind of money. And instead, I'm like, he's worth every penny. Like, they sell out that place seemingly every game. Look at the amount of merchandise that they sell for Bryce Harper. Just, you know, tangibly and the intangibles. 
Harper brings it. He's a two-time MVP, and he is the greatest postseason hitter in Philly's playoff history. Again, a minimum of 20 games. He's got an OPS over 1,000. Like, the, the expression is a red-light player, right? When the camera hmm. and the red light's on, nobody brings it like Harper. And for any example of that, you've seen it so from this playoff run. You know, I, I don't think he needed Orlando Arcia mocking him to motivate him, <laughs> but it was pretty entertaining that he hits those home runs and just stares the guy down as he runs the base. It's like, how, how do you not appreciate the showmanship and the brashness of Bryce Harper? Right? It ain't bragging if you can back it up, and he plays with such energy and such passion I think if you don't have a dog in the race, I don't know how you don't say, well, you know what, if the Phillies win, I'd be happy to Bryce Harper to get a World Series because clearly that guy deserves it. Like when we talk to people around Philly, they always say like it's notoriously, it is a football city. How much of Bryce Harper being part of this team is why we're seeing the, the park look like this and the crowds look like this and just the energy, it's infectious. I don't want to miss one of these games just in case Bryce goes yard in the first inning and I can feel the ground shake from Philadelphia. Yeah, it's amazing, Maddie. Like, sometimes you hear about a guy is a certain perfect fit for a team. Like, in a different way, Paul Goldschmidt's like a perfect cardinal, right? Yep. Head down, kind of bland, serviceable, but just, just gets the job done, and they really place him in St. Louis. And on the other hand, you go, Bryce Harper just fits Philadelphia. Like, blue-collar, hard worker, brash, cocky, um, but a pure entertainer and a guy who's incredibly talented. And they – He's beloved right now in the city of Philadelphia. And you're right. It's an Eagles town. There's no doubt about it. Eagles 5-1 to one is still a massive story. But that, that area right now, as I told you guys, South Philly, they have all that convergence of all those stadiums and those teams. It's insane. Tonight they're going to have a U.S. Uh, soccer match. Oh, sorry. It's the German national team, I believe, facing Mexico. So they've got a, a match at the link. Which, you know, these soccer matches got like 50,000 people. Little Flyers Canucks at the Wells Fargo Center for 50,000. And then you're going to have this Phillies game of, of 40,000. Like you're going to have 100,000 sports fans just in that one area. It goes back to – they haven't had a, a scene like that since 08 when it was the Phillies game four. Joe Blanton went deep. It was Flyers, Canucks, and it was also the Eagles beating the Cardinals. So it's, it's really cool to see what's happened in Philadelphia. It's always been a very passionate sports town, but the fans right now are just incredibly enthusiastic. And, and this Phillies team, like they really have – I mean, there's, there's a few more wins away, but they've kind of – grab the hearts of the fans there. And, and again, Bryce is the feature part of it. Like, yeah, they love Nick Castellanos and Schwarber, and those guys are really popular. But Bryce Harper is the straw that stirs the drink. Do the D-backs have a chance in this series? I don't think so. I mean, I, I, it was a great run because they had not lost the game coming in. And, and I like that the fact that they are able to counterpunch. You know, the Brewers went up against them. They had Corbin Burns in the mound, former signing award winner, and Arizona came back. And Peralta was in the mound. And they came back against him. Now, I think they were fortunate in that the Dodgers pitching staff was in shambles just coming in. Kershaw, you know, third of an inning gives up six runs. Bobby Miller gets beaten up. And then they have that memorable inning against Lance Lynn where they hit the four home runs. But it's going to be really hard against Philadelphia. I just think up and down the Phillies match up better than them. For Arizona, Corbin Carroll is a great story. 25 homers, 50 steals. He's going to be the rookie of the year. He's a special talent. Cattell Marte is a really good hitter. Um, of course, the Jays all know about Moreno. I mean, God, that trade looks terrible now, how good he's been for the D-back. The fact that Kirk slumped, I mean, it's just it's awful. I mean, you get Dalton Barsha return, who's terrible offensively. I know how good he was defensively. But Moreno's a lot of fun to watch. Lourdes Gurriel, of course, from a Blue Jay as well. So, like, they've definitely got offensive power, and they can they can run. Like, they've, coming into the game last night, Philly and Arizona were both tied for an MLB high, 13 home runs this postseason. 
And pitching-wise, I really like Gallon a lot, who's a South Jersey guy, grew up 20 minutes from Citizens Bank. I uh, did not root for the Phillies growing up. He was a Cardinals fan. But I was like, if Gallon could give them a shot in the arm, maybe. But he loses last night. Now it's going to be tough because Merrill Kelly gets the call in game two. And his splits are not advantageous to him. He's, he's been good at home, not as strong on the road. And, again, you got to win at Citizens Bank Park. So I think they win a game, Matty. Like, I don't think they get swept. But I, I don't think they win tonight. Then you're down 0-2, and it just puts a lot of pressure on a team to try to steal a game. They can win a game, but to actually win the series, it's going to be awfully tough. Adnan Verk, MLB, NHL Network, Cinephile Podcast. Joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Podcast Hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Um, are the Texas Rangers the epitome of you just got to get hot heading into the Major League Baseball playoffs and you can ride that momentum all the way to a world championship potentially? Yeah, George, it's wild. I mean, they were in first place in 148 of 149 games this year. And then come early August, the bullpens just, you know, gasoline everywhere. Absolutely flammable. And the fact that they lost 16 of 20 games over one stretch, there wasn't one person in the universe who said the Rangers looked like a World Series winning team. And yet, exactly what you said, you get caught at the right time. Seattle peaked too early. They stumbled late. Texas, by the way, still loses that one nothing game in the final day of the season. You go, well, there they go. They could have won the division and given themselves a very easy path Easier at the very least. Instead, Wildcard, now they got to travel. They traveled 7,000 miles in two weeks. And instead, they go, ah, no problem. Well, we'll figure this thing out. And they've taken care of business. And, again, their offense can score runs. There's no question about it. Against Framber Valdez last night, nothing particularly a hard hit, but just solid contact. And you blink, and you go, it's 4 nothing. Like, wow, okay. This is how these guys do things. And offensively, they, they have that power. Now, pitching-wise, it's amazing to think, where would they be if they had DeGrom? It's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yeah. And Scherzer's going to start game three. We see how he does. But Jordan Montgomery's going to make himself a lot of money. Pending free agent, was always a good Yankee starter, like a number three, number four. Went to St. Louis, was pretty good. Credit to Chris Young, acquiring him this year. He's been awesome. Like He's been an absolute ace for them. And then you add Nathan Evaldi, who his regular season ERA is a skosh over four. His postseason ERA is 2.79. Like, he's a demonstrably better postseason pitcher. And we're talking like 65, 70 innings. This isn't like two or three starts. He's been a great postseason pitcher for a while. Of course, everyone remembers you know, that, that game three in 2018, they lost that Red Sox game, but he gave them six innings of the pen and, and completely saved them in that series. So Evaldi last night was dealing I – mean, the play of the game, base is loaded fifth inning. He gets two strikeouts in the ground and does not give up a run. That's a big-time performance by Evaldi. And to win the first two games on the road of a best of seven, this is how rare it is for a team to come back. It's only ever happened three times. Wow. That's the 96 Yankees against the Braves. That's the 86 Mets and the 85 Royals. So I don't want to say the Houston Astros are done, but you lose those first two games at home, and the Astros had a sub-500 record at Minute Maid Park. It's awfully tough to win four or five the rest of the way. And for Texas, God, I can't imagine how gleeful Bruce Bochy is. We just took two, and we beat Verlander and Fromber. And now we got Max Scherzer in game three. Like, I don't think Scherzer's the Scherzer's of old. I think he's going to go three and two-thirds and give him a couple of runs. But nobody even expected Max Scherzer to be pitching at this point. When he got hurt September 12th, they said highly unlikely to even return. So to even give them anything, I think, is a bonus. And to be up 2-0 is pretty massive against the Astros. Uh, Adnan, who's got a bigger head, Bruce Bochy or Dusty Baker? What? I'm going to go with Bruce Bochy. I worked with Rick Sutcliffe for years, and Sut is a great guy and also has a yep. big head, but he said nobody's got a bigger bucket than Bochy. I think it's like eight and three quarters. Oh, get out of here. Yeah. That's a watermelon. Yeah. 
Does it have a mood? Yeah, it is. I get the watermelon. I mean, I've, I've interviewed Dusty Baker. I interviewed him this year at the All-Star. Year. First time meeting him. And his head didn't strike me as abnormally large. Like, when I went talking to okay. him, like, I think, I think now looking back, I guess it's a big head. But it wasn't. Yeah. Like, I think when you talk to Bochy, it's, it's glaring. Like, it's, it's <laughs> obvious to anyone that this guy's got a huge bucket. So, listen, I'll be going to the World Series this year. The Rangers are two wins away. All the more conclusive report. Okay. Once I see Bruce Bochy face-to-face, but I think it's him. He's yeah. got to have a strong core, right? Because that's got to throw your balance off when your head's at this. <laughs> he does have a well, big dome. Yeah, if you see him recently, like going towards the mound, he does look like he's almost about to tip forward a little bit. So I don't think it's, I think maybe the core is weakened or his head's gotten bigger. I'm not sure which one it is, but he might just fall over and fall flat on his face. Um, and then wanted that to would get, be very worrying. Yeah. Um, wanted to get your, uh, your opinion on uh, just how the Blue Jays have handled the whole offseason so far. Can you believe and what John Schneider did? Unbelievable. No, like, I, I, yeah, I just want to ask you about the Ross Atkins thing. Like, I get what Mark Shapiro and. Mark Shapiro is as smooth as smooth can be. He will say all these words and he'll pretend like he's telling you something without saying anything. Like it's, it's actually a masterclass in how to avoid confrontation and actually telling you something. But the Ross Atkins uh, presser is something that really interested me. Were you surprised how he just threw John Schneider under the bus? Because that's essentially what he did here. Oh, no, that's his decision. Really? Really, Ross, it was all on John Schneider and his staff. It had nothing to do with, quote, the khakis, as Kevin Barker calls them, within the organization. Like, how surprised were you when Ross Atkins like, oh, yeah, no, 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 pulling Barrios was all John Schneider's doing? I was stunned because Harold Reynolds, my colleague and tag team partner, made a, a really passionate show about saying, hey, I'm tired of us always blaming the managers. Like, just once I want to hear one of these front office guys going, yeah, it was me. So rather than Dave Roberts getting blamed for the quick hooks he's given the Dodgers. Like, Freeman should say, no, no, it was my decision. I told Dave what to do. Blake's now very famously, 73 pitches gets the hook. Again, it should be Freeman saying, it's me, it's not Kevin Cash. So in this instance, like, collectively, we're all like, well, this obviously isn't John Schneider. Maybe he's a part of the meeting and the discussions. Maybe he's not being completely told that. But clearly, it is the influence of Atkins and Shapiro. So then I thought John's answer was interesting, was that if you want to blame me, if you want to blame the organization, that's fine. So he was still being accountable by naming himself first, but by including the organization, it sounded like, again, this was a consensus decision. For Ross to then go, man, eh, it wasn't me at all. <laughs> I was stunned. I was like, wow. Because either he's being completely honest, which, again, I appreciate the honesty, but it, mm-hmm. it makes John Schneider look bad, or he's being disingenuous, and maybe he didn't explicitly tell him, but there's been a, you know, whatever, a feeling that this is what the decision should be. Either way, I'm like, that's not a good sign if I'm John Schneider, if the GM's blatantly just blaming me for something. So, uh, he still has his job for now. I, I would think it's if they get off to a bad start, that'll be a quick hook. And I don't know if Don Mattingly is still going to be there as a bench coach. Does he replace him? But yeah, I, I was. It, it's a head scratching decision, right? Certainly in hindsight. And I again, I made the point that it's not why they lost the game. They had to score runs. And Harold pushed back at me like, "No, it is why they lost the game because it was a scoreless game." So how do you know? Barrios could have got a double play and gotten out of that inning, right. and that gives them momentum to score. So it is a critical play. Um, it, it, it's head scratching. I mean. the the two biggest moments of this Jays postseason run, I can't even call it a run, it was just a couple of games, is Barrios getting yanked at the 47 pitches and Vlad Jr. getting picked off second base. Oh, my. Inexplicably, with Boba shut up. Like, just two awful decisions. You think you think Vlad can turn into that guy he's supposed to turn into, like the next Albert Pujols and next Miguel Cabrera in Toronto? Or do you think he needs to do that somewhere else? Um, I don't know if he's capable of doing it anywhere. I, I think... 
I think he's just going to be a really good player, but he's never going to be those kind of guys. Like, I don't that think we thought gonna he be... was going to be. Correct, yeah. I don't think he's ever going to be 2021 Vlad. I think he's going to hit you 25 to 30 home runs. I think he'll get you 90 to 100 RBI, and I think he'll hit you 280. And I think that's a really good player. Like That's, that's an all-star. Mm. And he could be a seven, eight-time all-star, but I don't think he's going to be the best right-handed hitter in baseball. I don't think he's going to be one of the top five hitters in baseball. That's just I just think what I've seen from Vlad, it's, it's almost like that superstar year is the aberration rather than being the norm. And eventually, you just accept this is what the guy is. Uh, would you trade him for Fernando Tatis? Wow, that's interesting. And you know, I probably would. I, I love Nando. I, I think he's such an exciting player, and he's such an incredible athlete. Like The fact he could go to shortstop and right field, and I think he should win a gold glove. Like That's how electrifying he was. He's got a ton of power. He's going to hit you 30 to 40 home runs. Uh, strikes it a little too much for my liking, but again, he's a slugger and he plays with such vibrance and exuberance. And he's a great leader. I probably would because I mean, Vlad's going to want three hundred million dollars, and Tatis already got the three forty. So if I had a choice of paying Vlad three hundred or Tatis three forty, I'd pay Nando. I think he gives you more as an all-around player, defense, base stealing, and he can still slug. Very interesting. Now, what was your reaction when you found out Michael Kane was retiring? <laughs> Well, it immediately made me think of when uh, the late, great Phil Hartman, noted Canadian savant, was on Leno. And he said, if you want to talk like Michael Caine, you must only say a few words at a time. And, of course, you've got the movie The movie, the Trip with Steve Coogan, and they have this, you know, dueling Michael Caine. This is incredible. Michael Caine used to talk like this in the 1960s. He was very loud, and now he talks very softly. Now he talks to Dick, and he kind of gets a shaky voice. He goes, Master Wayne. So everyone's got a Michael Caine impression. And, of course, Michael Caine has been on toxins before. He said one time he was at a party, and the woman said to him, are you a drug dealer? And he said, what? And he said, are you a drug dealer? He said, no. He said, every year ago, everyone keeps saying there's my cocaine. And so my cocaine is how Michael Caine says his name. My cocaine. My cocaine. My cocaine. It's very selfish. Um, Wait. I- uh, Adnan, uh, my man Matty Rose here can't get past how good the Meg 2 is. Your thoughts? Oh, such a good flick. Uh, I, I haven't had a chance to do the Meg 2. <laughs> You're missing I will out. Tell you just to, yeah, just, just to is it Citizen Kane, you think? It's better. Yeah, I, mean, I don't it's know better. what Rose buddies in the Meg 2, but uh, just to button up the DiCaprio conversation, I yep. was able to work out some contacts through my Cinephile podcast, and I did go see Killers of the Flower Moon last Thursday. I saw the Ooh. critics reading in New York City. Mm. Incredible. Three and a half hours, another masterpiece from Marty, DiCaprio, De Niro, Lily Gladstone. I may actually interview the production designer and the casting director today. They couldn't give me Marty. I said, listen, I'll, I'll give up a kidney for five minutes of Marty Scorsese. No, but I, I'm very look, much looking forward to talking to Jack Fisk, who's the production designer, and Ellen Lewis, the, uh, the casting director, because those are two elements of the way that are really important. But definitely check it out, fellas. I know it's long. It's three and a half hours, but... Brilliant movie, and if you're a DiCaprio fan, you're going to love it. It's too bad the Meg already has the Oscar locked up for Best Picture. It's too bad. All right. This will be your uh, Best Picture nominees, I predict. It's going to be Oppenheimer. It's going to be Kills the Flower Moon. And sneaking in, the Meg 2. Yes. There you go. I, I, I've told Jason you. Jason Steeth, I'm blowing stuff up! I told you my take on uh, Oppenheimer. Uh, it's a good movie I'm never going to see again, Adnan. I'm just never going to see it again. Yeah, I like that take rate, or George. I mean, I, I will watch it again on, on uh, DVD or streaming at some point, but it's funny. The amount of people I knew who were like, how great was it? And I said, no, I loved that. I thought it was an excellent film. And they go, I'm going to go see it again this time. And, you know, and I said, well, I, and I saw it in IMAX. I'm going to see it 70 millimeter. Then I might see it 300 millimeter. I'm like, listen, 
It's a great movie, but I'm not rushing it to go see it a second time. No. Having said that, Killers of the Flower Moon, I saw the critical screening, and I will pretty much guarantee I'll be watching that a second time in the theaters. So I'm with you on Oppenheimer for sure. Uh, Adnan Verk, uh, MLB, NHL Network, Cinephile Podcast. Adnan, terrific stuff as usual. Let's do it again soon, pal. Thanks. All right, George. Thanks, Matty. Take care. Adnan Verk on the Atlas Beats and Sports Bar guest hotline. Straight ahead, Dennis Bernstein. Connor Garland going to get traded? Any room for Shane Pinto in Ottawa? Who's what defense and goaltending's worse, Edmonton or Toronto? Wow, those are three great questions. Yeah, we'll do that with Dennis. Can Bernstein. you share some of those? Like, come might, on, we'll uh, Dennis Bernstein coming up. Uh, we'll down. do our Calgary lock and safe, and uh, we'll break down a little more of the Flames game last night. Uh, Maddie, I want to ask you: um, mm-hmm. Do the Flames really practice shootouts? We'll do that at eight <laughs> thirty. They hit the, the big post show twice, George. Russick Stop. and Rose. This is Sportsnet 960, the fan. Ridiculous.